Thank you for downloading the Two Cities Church podcast, where we are pushing back darkness by spreading the good news of King Jesus. And now, here is this week's message from Pastor Jeff Struker. Go ahead and grab a seat. It's almost here. Are you ready? Are you ready to open up some gifts? Are you ready to have the family around? Are you ready to read the Christmas story and celebrate another Christmas? How many of you in the room are ready? For some people, planning for Christmas, preparation for Christmas starts weeks ago. Some of you are the last-minute shoppers that are at Target or Walmart last night trying to grab something off of an empty shelf um, and throw it in a stocking. But for some people... They spend weeks or months getting ready for Christmas. How many of you are like that? Uh, No kidding. In the Philippines, they go all out for Christmas, and they go all out way before Christmas starts. Don't believe me? This is a picture from October 15th of this year when the Mall of Asia was rolling out and getting ready for Christmas, and it was already fully decorated like the North Pole on the 15th of October, which means a lot of waiting and a lot of anticipating getting ready for Christmas. And I just want to tell you, the anticipation can make it all even more exciting. In fact, what we're going to do today is just pause from our study through the book of Genesis. We're going to do a one-off sermon, and we're going to take a look at the longing, the waiting for the birth of the king. And we're going to study this from Luke chapter 2. But I'll tell you where we're going to, what you're going to hear from the Bible today. The greatest moments in life, they always come on the heels of great anticipation. It's because you've been longing. It's because you've been waiting that the moments are all the more exciting. I've got many, many pictures of the family on Christmas. You heard the phrase that a picture is worth a thousand words? I don't think any one picture really captures what's going on in the room when the family gets together and they read the Christmas story and they open gifts and even blow out some candles on Jesus' birthday cake because of the excitement and the anticipation working up to this day. Now, if we're honest, and I'm not going to ask you to show your hands, some of you in this room are really good at waiting. Some of you are awesome at it, but there are others in this room that are awful, right? You're the one that sneaks under the tree in the middle of the night to shake gifts because you really want to know what's inside that package, and you just can't wait until that day shows up. It's been months at Two Cities Church of studying this old man, this great man of the faith, a guy by the name of Abraham who has been waiting for a baby to show up. Abraham, in the book of Genesis, has been waiting 25 years for God's promise to come to pass. When his son Isaac is born, he's literally been waiting 100 years for this baby. And today we read about another old man from the New Testament who was also longing, who was also waiting. And in Genesis, you get a chance to see how God rewards Abraham for waiting well. And in Luke chapter 2, you get a chance to see how God rewards a man by the name of Simeon, who is old and has been waiting 
well, waiting on God for many, many years, and then today is the day that God makes good on a promise that he made to Simeon. So if you've got the Two Cities Church app downloaded, if you click that button that says today's sermon, you're going to have the outline and the notes in there. We're going to be in Luke chapter 2, and we'll start towards the end of the chapter in just a second. I, I made a statement a couple of months ago when we were talking about Abraham waiting for Isaac, and I, I had several people that followed back up with me and said, Jeff, I heard what you said, and frankly, it challenged me a little bit because I haven't really thought about what it looks like to wait well. And they asked me to give them a little bit more details. And the first thing that I want you to know about waiting well is that waiting on God is never wasting your time. It may feel like you're wasting your time, but you're really not. I want to challenge the assumption today that if you're waiting for God, you're not doing anything. You're just sitting on your hands and you're praying and you're longing for this moment. That's not what we read from the Bible with Abraham. That's certainly not what we see today with a guy by the name of Simeon. So let me show you about this man called Simeon, Luke chapter 2 right after, literally, eight days after Jesus is born. There was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, Luke chapter 2, verse 25. This man was righteous and devout, and looking forward, there's the waiting term that we see today. He's looking forward to Israel's consolation. I'm going to talk about that phrase, Israel's consolation, in just a second. And the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he saw the Lord's Messiah. Guided by the Spirit, he entered the temple, and when the parents brought the child Jesus to perform for him what was customary under the law, dot, 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 you're going to have to wait to hear what happens next. You see, Simeon has been waiting a long time. If you tuned in or if you were here with us last week, we had Matt Davis, this Christian Messianic Jew, this pastor who started to show us some of the similarities between Isaac in the Old Testament and Jesus in the New Testament. And Matt talked about this intertestamental, intertestamental period, this four hundred years of waiting for God's word. Literally, from the end of the book of Malachi in the Old Testament to the beginning of the book of Matthew in the New Testament, this is one page in your Bible, but it represents 400 years of history where God didn't speak to his people. I want you to put that 400 years into context. That means that your great, 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 great grandparents were the last ones to ever hear the prophet of God talk about what he was going to do in, his, in, in uh, f- the future. If you missed that number, that's 14 generations that are weary and wanting God to speak. In fact, in the book of Amos, chapter 8... 
The prophet Amos describes it this way. There's going to be a drought, and it's not going to be water, and it's not going to be crops that dry up. There's going to be a drought of the word of God, and you are going to be weary, and you are going to faint wanting to hear from God. But for 14 generations, for 400 years, you won't hear from God. And Simeon comes along at the very tail end of this 400 years. He's an old man, but we don't know how old at the moment that Simeon is prompted by the Holy Spirit to go to the temple. Now, we do know a few things about this guy, Simeon. This is the only time that he ever shows up in the Bible. But we hear from the Bible today that he's a righteous man, which means he has been living right and he's doing his best to be right with God. He is a devout man, which means he regularly worships God and puts God first place in his life. But the Bible says something fascinating. This is very early in the New Testament when the Bible says Simeon is the kind of guy who listens to the Holy Spirit. And for whatever reason, on one day, the Holy Spirit says, Simeon, get up from your house and I want you to go to the temple. You already live in Jerusalem. I want you to walk to the temple because I got a Christmas present waiting for you when you get to the temple, Simeon. And my Christmas present to you is you are going to chance to see with your own eyes the consolation of Israel. That phrase means God is about to start restoring Israel to its glory. God is going to start restoring his people and his relationship with his people. And Simeon, you get a chance to see it with your own eyes. We're not sure how old Simeon is here, but I want you to imagine that you're him. Picture yourself for just a second. You've been living in a capital of a country that has been occupied by a foreign government. Your own hometown is ruled by Roman soldiers. And every day that you get up, it's right in your face that Israel is under the rule of someone else. And you're frustrated and you're disappointed Every day that you go to the market, seeing where you are and seeing where your people are, and then at last, this moment comes, and the Holy Spirit says, Simeon, get up. Today's the day. I want you to go to the temple, and when you're in the temple, I'm going to show you my rescuer. How many of you in this room thought that moment made it all worthwhile? All of that frustration, all of that disappointment, all of those years of living under Roman occupation and the brutal treatment of the Roman soldiers, this is the moment that made it all worthwhile because this is the moment I've been waiting my whole life for. I want you to understand that we work while we wait. Anybody in this room that has ever tried to get the big promotion knows exactly what this feels like. You put in the hours, you bust your tail, you give it everything that you got, hoping that you're going to get that big pay raise, that big promotion. And the, the time and the energy that you spend working towards that moment is not wasted time and energy. Every parent, grandparent in this room knows exactly what this feels like. Because you spent 18 years of blood, sweat, and tears longing for, praying for this moment when that child is ready to leave the house and they're strong and they're independent and they're godly and you are sending them out into the world to go make an impact 
um, on their world for King Jesus, do those 18 hours, or 18 years, 18 hours, do those 18 years seem like wasted time to any parent in this room? Now see, what Simeon is doing is he's been waiting, he's been working, he's been longing for the child to show up. And we live in the same moment. You see, Simeon was waiting for the king to show up the first time, and we in Columbus, Georgia in 2023 are waiting for the king to come back again because we live in this messed up, broken world, this world of darkness because of sin. And we know that the only thing that can fix this messed up, broken world is the return of the king. So we long, we wait, we work like Simeon did, waiting for King Jesus to come back and to fix this mess that's around us. And can I tell you the good news? It doesn't matter if you wait well or if you're pretty awful at it. God rewards his people. He rewards us when we wait. And the reward is worth the wait. Let me show you what the reward looks like for Simeon. Keep in mind, he's an old man. He has been living frustrated and disappointed in this occupied land for many years. And then all of a sudden, he goes to the temple. And he sees this very humble Jewish couple with their eight-day-old baby showing up to perform the ancient Old Testament rite of circumcision. When Simeon hears the Holy Spirit prompt him, that's the baby. That's the one that you've been waiting for. And I get this picture like the movie, The Lion King, when uh, Simba is born and they hold that baby up for everybody in the kingdom to see because this is the moment that everybody is supposed to rejoice over. Simeon took Jesus up in his arms. Verse 28. And he praised God and he said, Now, Master, you can dismiss your servant in peace as you promised. For my eyes have seen your salvation. You have prepared it in the presence of all peoples, a light for the revelation of the Gentiles and glory to your people, Israel. This is the moment that Simeon is waiting for. There's a huge difference between just sitting on your hands waiting and waiting well. And you see that difference in Luke chapter 2 today. You see, Simeon has been working, he's been praying, he's been behind the scenes, and you can tell this about Simeon because of his language. Did you notice that he uses the word master to refer to God and the word servant to refer to himself? He's actually using the term slave to refer to himself. And God, because you're the master, that makes you in charge. And when you're in charge, you call the shots, I don't. And I know this is hard for some of us, uh, to hear, but that also means your timing is when things come to pass, not when I want it to. And God, you're the master, and I'm the slave, and I have been working behind the scenes for this moment. And now you've rewarded all of that work and all of that waiting, and I get a chance in my own hands to hold the salvation of Israel. Did you know that the name Jesus literally means Jehovah saves? Yeshua is Jehovah saves. And when he's holding this child in his arms, he already knows this is the Savior.
This is the Savior of the whole world. I think there's something interesting about the way that Simeon phrased this. I don't think it's an accident. In fact, I think he's deliberately using prophet Isaiah language when he refers to Jesus. Look up on the screens. He doesn't say that I have seen, my eyes have seen your Savior. He says they have seen your salvation. This is the one that's not just going to rescue me. Simeon uses very specific language. I love the language here because it comes straight out of Isaiah chapter 40. This is the light that will shine darkness into the world. This is the one that will bring God's glory to people all over the planet. Simeon recognizes this child isn't just for Mary and Joseph. This child isn't just for Jerusalem. Look up on the screens. This child isn't just for Israel. This baby is for all people all over the planet. Come on, Two Cities Church. God gave this child for 2023 in South Georgia, South Africa, and everywhere else on the planet. That's who this baby was given to. Now, he trusted it with a humble couple in Israel, but this child is for the Gentiles And for the Jews, it's for all people all over the planet. And Simeon knows what it looks like to wait. This is the ultimate reward of his waiting. Two Cities Church, we got a Christmas present for you. And I'm just going to go ahead and tell you what the Christmas present is ahead of time. You don't have to wait to open it up. Yesterday, we bought tickets to fly Pete and Elise DeVette and their entire family to Columbus, Georgia. If you've been longing and waiting for this, let me hear you. There have been, no exaggeration, thousands of hours of work preparing for them to come to Columbus. They will arrive in the last week of January, and all of that work, all of that planning, all of that preparation finally pays off because we weren't sitting on our hands praying and asking God to drop something out of the sky. We were working with him while we were waiting on him. And now... They're ready to pack up shop. Literally, they're getting rid of everything, and they're ready to pack up their family and move across the globe so that they can come and lead us in person. And it's because we've been working hard, they've been working hard behind the scenes that we're finally at this moment. You're going to have to wait until the end of January to open this gift up, but we'll just tell you ahead of time, they're on their way and they should be here by the last Sunday in January to lead us in person and to help us worship King Jesus. And this is one of the rewards of working hard while we're waiting for God to bring this couple to us in person. You see, the whole reason for looking at Luke chapter 2 today is to convince you that the reward is worth the wait. The greatest moments in life are worth it. You know what makes the Super Bowl so exciting? You know what makes the World Cup so exciting? 
People have been waiting the entire season for this pinnacle moment. Well, if you're an Atlanta Falcons fan, you've been waiting your entire life for this pinnacle moment when the whole season comes down to this. And that's what makes the game so spectacular because everybody has been waiting and working and longing for this moment. And now... Mary and Joseph show up. It is the custom in the Old Testament to circumcise the male child on the eighth day. This is so sacred. It's so important. It doesn't even matter if the eighth day is on the Sabbath. The priest is going to do some work. The family is going to do some work. You take that baby boy and have him circumcised in the temple on the eighth day. Mary and Joseph, a very humble couple, show up in the temple to circumcise their baby. And notice when the Holy Spirit prompts Simeon to go see the king, he doesn't tell him to go to the palace. No, you go to the temple and I'll show you the savior of the world. And here's how the story ends with Simeon. Simeon held this baby in his arms. And I believe God gives him a message for Mary and Joseph But I also believe God's message is for you and me today. His father and mother were amazed. That means they didn't see this one coming. Listen to what Simeon says to Mary and Joseph. They were amazed at what was being said about Jesus. And then Simeon blessed them. And he told his mother Mary, Indeed, this child is destined to cause the rise and the uh, to call, cause the fall and the rise of many in Israel, and to be a sign that will be opposed, and a sword will pierce your own soul, that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. Now I've got no way to back this up. We do know that Simeon is an older man. We do know that he's been waiting. I am convinced it is not at the moment that he sees Jesus that the Holy Spirit gives him these words. But can you see that Simeon is starting to become a kind of prophet? He's going to tell Mary and Joseph something that they didn't know. They knew that they were having a special child. They knew that this child was God's son, not their son. They just didn't know all that the future holds. So Simeon says, can I tell you two something about this baby? People are going to hate you. They're going to want to kill you because of this child. In fact, you're going to end up running for your lives to Egypt because of how deadly the anger is against this child. And then he says, and by the way, this child is going to be hated. This child is going to be hunted And Mary, you're going to watch your own child die right in front of your eyes. There's going to be a sword that will pierce your soul as you watch your child hanging on a tree. That's what people are going to do to this child. Because this child changes everything. You see, from this moment forward, it's actually been like this for all time. It doesn't matter how rich you are with God. It doesn't matter how powerful you are. It doesn't matter your social status. None of that stuff matters anymore. If you look at what the Bible says here, the only thing that matters for all of eternity is your relationship with the King of Kings. That and that alone matters. And God can see deep into the recesses of the human soul. So God knows whether or not this is a big deal for you. God rewards those who long for and look forward to 
the coming of the king. In all of human history, there has only been a very brief time, literally one chapter of the Bible, when God's people were in perfect relationship with him. Back in Genesis chapter 2, that's been the only time that we have ever experienced the reward of our faith firsthand. Every other moment of human history has been longing for and waiting for something that's about to come. And just like Simeon was waiting to see this baby, we wait. We long to see the return of the king. I'll wrap it up with this. Our dishwasher broke this week. And we have been thrust back into the dark ages. We have to wash dishes by hand. I realize this is shocking to most of you. And for years, I took that dishwasher for granted because you just put stuff in there, push the button and wash away and, you, and walk away. And you don't realize what that thing is doing for you when you can just throw dishes in there, push a button and walk away until the dishwasher's broke. And now we have to wait for a new dishwasher to show up. And now we have to wash dishes by hand. And I have been taking for granted what's waiting for us because we are waiting now for this dishwasher to show up. And I've been taking for granted what I had. I think Christians get complacent. I think if God were to give us exactly what we want, exactly what we, when we want it, we would totally take our faith for granted. And I think really what God does by asking us to wait is allowing us to worship while we wait. This may be a a challenge for you, but I believe waiting is worship. I believe that worship is waiting. When your heart is wholly focused on the King of Kings, when you don't have him in your presence, but you know that there's a day that he's coming back, when you, like the disciples, are longing for Jesus, like he talked to them in John chapter 14, when he said, guys, I'm leaving, I'm going back to the Father, but don't freak out, don't stress out, because if I go away, I will come back and I will take you to be with me. And here's the ultimate reward of your faith. Here's the ultimate Christmas gift. God says, I will give you myself. I will give you all of myself. When I bring you into my presence and you have the chance to spend eternity with me face to face. You see, all of humanity has been worshiping while they're waiting or waiting while they worship, except for that very brief time when Adam and Eve were able to spend time in God's presence face to face. But that time is coming again. And that waiting will be over when the sky splits and the king of kings returns and Jesus takes his people to be home with him. Literally, when Jesus restores paradise on this earth and we are in his presence for eternity, that is the reward of waiting well. So I want to put a couple of challenges in front of you. And these are very natural next steps from Simeon today. Do you really believe that there is a reward waiting for God's people? Do you really believe that the anticipation, the excitement, all of the plans, all of the preparations, all of the work here 
waiting for God to return is worth it. Do you really believe that? Because if you believe it, will you wait well this week? I'll say it again. Waiting well is not sitting on your hands, reading the Bible, praying. Waiting well is doing exactly what Isaiah chapter 9, exactly what John chapter 1 describes. A light has penetrated the darkness. John chapter 1 says it this way, and the darkness cannot overpower it. At Two Cities Church, we tell you that we are pushing back darkness, waiting for the king of kings, the light of the world to come. That's what waiting well looks like. It's not just praying. It's not just reading the Bible. We should be doing that. It's actually rolling up your sleeves, getting into your neighborhood, into your family, into your community, and making an impact. So here's the ultimate challenge. Will you put your hope in Jesus to work this week? Would you bow your heads? We hope you enjoyed this message. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast and to stay in touch by joining our email list through the link in the show notes. Have a great week.